preaching on Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Let us pray. Oh, Lord, I ask you to open our hearts and our minds that we may receive your word. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the 2005 Sidney Pollack film, The Interpreter, there is a story told about a supposed ritual in Africa regarding forgiveness. It's based on the principle that the only way to end grief is to save a life. The ritual takes place when someone is murdered. After a year of mourning, the family of the victim undergoes the drowning man ritual, where the killer is tied up and thrown into a river to drown. The family must choose if they let the killer drown, they will have justice but they will spend the rest of their lives in mourning. 
if they save the killer from drowning, if they accept that they have, that they share a common humanity and that life isn't always just, then their act of saving a life can heal their grief. In other words, do we forgive as we have been forgiven and in so doing find ourselves healed? Or do we seek vengeance and punishment and so find ourselves trapped in grief and bitterness? Now, I do not know if this ritual actually exists or if it was created for the movie. However, there is a real life story of forgiveness that comes out of South Africa and the injustice of apartheid. Archbishop Desmond Tutu was raised in one of the shanty towns where black South Africans were kept. He lived apartheid. He and his family experienced it firsthand. Some of his friends were imprisoned and even killed in the violence that defined South Africa under apartheid. When that whole system of oppression ended, the South African people faced a crossroads. Would they simply live out the script of every oppressed people throughout history, where the oppressed became the oppressors? Or could they find a different path that would lead to healing for both the oppressed and oppressors alike? The leaders of the New South Africa formed a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to try to seek that different path. Instead of handing out punishment, the whole purpose of the commission was to give victims a chance to tell their stories, to have their suffering acknowledged, and to confront, confront their oppressors in person and to give the oppressors a chance to tell the truth about their crimes and seek forgiveness and clemency. They had no idea what would happen from this, but as it turns out, time after time, oppressed and oppressor came together and experienced genuine reconciliation based on the experience of crimes acknowledged and forgiven. Out of these fundamental principles, one of them for, from this experience is what Tutu calls Umbutu. It's a Hasa word that stands for the idea that we all share a common humanity. It says that the only way the human family can thrive is together. That means that when we look at another human being, even someone who's wounded us deeply, we cannot see an enemy, but rather a fe fellow human being, a brother or sister. Today's gospel text starts partway through a teaching moment on forgiveness. Jesus was teaching that when one brother sins against another, they need to work it out. The offender should come to a place of asking for forgiveness, and the offended should offer that forgiveness. Starting in today's reading, Peter then asks, how many times are we expected to forgive? Jewish law says to forgive up to three times. Well, Peter, thinking he's being really generous, 
doubled that amount and even added one more. I can hear the conversation. So, Jesus, just how many times should I forgive? Maybe seven? Jesus gestures, more than that. Oh, like 17? Not even close. Wait, like 27? Keep going. You're kidding, right? 37? Peter, you want to play that numbers game? Try 77 times. Some translations say 70 times 7. But that's ridiculous. Impossible. What Jesus is saying is it is not genuine forgiveness if you are keeping count. That is legalism, not Christian love. We are to forgive them until it works. Forgive them until it works. Forgive until your heart is changed. Forgive others until you no longer feel anger, resentment, bitterness, the need for revenge or recompense. I find it ironic that we Americans so treasure our freedom that we resist situations and systems that might curtail our choice and autonomy. And yet when it comes to forgiveness, we want limits. We want strict parameters and qualifiers. We do not want to forgive if we do not have to. We'll forgive anyway. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. Not only must we forgive, but we have to do it a lot. There are times when forgiving feels like the last thing we want to do. We do not want to let someone get by with causing us terrible pain, loss, grief, harm, or maybe it was major embarrassment. How can we forgive someone who's caused us a lifetime of therapy or who has left us with permanent physical or mental scars? How can anyone expect us to show grace to someone who has intentionally harmed us or someone we love? The mere thought of letting that person off the hook adds resentment to all the other negative feelings because it's not fair. We want that someone to feel as bad as we do, and so we resolve to never let this go. As Christians, we continue to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now we need to add self-justification to our list of feelings. I know, God, that you say I should forgive her, but, you know, God, I usually forgive people, but in this case, but God, you don't understand. How can I forgive when he isn't sorry for what he did? And Jesus says, forgive them until it works. Forgiveness is not 
about simply about carrying, uh, uh, excuse me, forgiveness is about caring for ourselves. Forgiveness is about letting go and moving on. To pray the prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and mean it, we have to practice Ubuntu. We have to acknowledge that we share a common humanity even with those who wrong us. When we can look at those who inflict pain on us and see brothers and sisters, then we can begin to forgive as we have been forgiven. Then we can begin to set them and ourselves free from the vicious cycle of bitterness, hatred, and violence, and move into the freedom of forgiving as we have been forgiven. A few months after my daughter's first husband had walked out on her, after he had spent her student loan money, after he'd left her with $5,000 of debt, my pastor preached on this text. She challenged us in the pews that Sunday to think of someone who had wronged us. Well, that was easy. That man had hurt my baby big time and I understood anger and bitterness. Then she challenged us to do something nice for that person, expecting nothing in return. Huh? Well, I didn't think I steamed about this for about a week. Since it was near Christmas, I decided to buy him a nice present and include a Christmas card saying, I forgive you. As I mailed the package, I enjoyed thinking about how this would blow his mind. This would show him what for. Okay, so that wasn't quite what my pastor had in mind. Obviously, my heart was not changed right away, and there was not much forgiveness in my gesture. But over the next few months, I thought more about how little forgiveness and compassion this man had seen in his life. He needed my forgiveness, but I needed it more. The Greek word for forgiveness means to let go. We are to let go of feelings of resentment, rage, wrath, revenge, retaliation, retribution when someone has wronged you. We do not forgive naturally. Rather, the spirit of Jesus slips into our hearts, minds, and spirits and heals us ever so slowly. But we have to invite him in. The foundation on which our identity as Christians is built is the death and resurrection of Jesus and the flood of gracious forgiveness that grand sacrifice unleashed. C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Jesus' last request of his Holy Father was for him to forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus pleaded for the forgiveness for the Jewish priests, scribes, and Pharisees who plotted for his death. 
He pleaded for the forgiveness for the Jews who blindly followed the religious leaders' lies. He pleaded on behalf of Pilate, Herod, and the Roman soldiers who killed him to quiet the crowd's unrest. He pleaded for forgiveness for his disciples who deserted him. And he pleaded for forgiveness for us. I invite you today to receive that forgiveness that your heavenly father promises to give you through the redeeming blood of Christ Jesus. Take this forgiveness. Rejoice in this forgiveness. Give thanks for this forgiveness. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by Jesus' authority alone, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. Now go forth and share the grace of this forgiveness. Amen. Thank you.